Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the AllMonster.com MTPC. That would be the Monster Truck Podcast, and we had an idea. That idea was to run down the St. Louis Monster Jam that Dustin Hart attended. So Dustin, I'm going to turn this thing over to you guys, but first, very quickly, just wanted to say thank you guys for supporting the first episode of the podcast. Feel free to follow us on Twitter and subscribe here on the YouTube we got all the links right there in front of your face as you're watching this video and or listening to the podcast. One final thing. We do have interviews that are going to be full podcast form with Morgan Kane of The Grave Digger and Jim Burns of Mechanical Mischief. Those will be coming to you very soon. They're in and ready to go, so we're excited to bring you some more content. That being said, hey, Dustin, how did this show in St. Louis go? We're going to run this thing down for you, and uh, I'm going to be asking the questions and let you talk about it, because you were the guy that was there running everything. Well, uh, it was an interesting weekend, to say the least. Um, you know, saw some different things that we haven't seen in quite a while, uh, at least here domestically, with uh, with basically the way the track laid out. You know, we haven't seen a lot of Chicago style in the last couple of years, um, stateside, and then, you know, just some different things as far as the freestyles uh, layout went, and... Yeah, some new trucks being in play, some different things here and there. We saw the debut of Tom Mentz's Max D, newest Max D, um, which seems to be a pretty strong running piece. Uh, a lot of drivers were uh, a little bit interested, I guess you could say, in seeing a bit of a different change when it came to the freestyle course. There was a lot more wide open space to work with uh, this past weekend in St. Louis, especially when you factor in that the floor in St. Louis is one of the biggest that Monster Jam runs uh, anywhere, really. And, uh, you know, just... A lot of little storylines here and there. Uh, probably the biggest, I guess, that was hyped up over the course of the weekend was seeing Colt Stevens unveiled finally as the Doomsday driver. Uh, it's been kind of a, a long overdue bit of recognition to Colt and the fine job that he's been doing piloting that truck the past couple of seasons. Must um, must must pause you quickly there. Guys, don't forget, if you haven't heard, if you don't know, if you're not an old-school monster truck fan, that is a second-generation driver and uh, the second-generation driver is definitely taking over the sport currently. Scott Stevens was the King Crunch driver of yesteryear. Colt Stevens is his son, and he is every bit as wild as Scott was back in the day. So just to confirm, that's your guy, I think, a good fit for Doomsday. Yeah, yeah, he's you know been a great fit for Doom. Uh, he's really taken to the driving style, I guess, that you would expect for a truck that's basically out to cause mayhem and destruction, and... He's certainly done just that, uh, but while doing so, really showcasing and executing some skill and finesse when it comes to his driving. Um, you go back and you look at some of the freestyles that he put forth over first quarter and has really done a fantastic job of competing with the best of the best in the sport when it comes to freestyle and really throwing in nice combinations, big air, throwing in backflips. He's got great skill behind the wheel of a truck, honing in his racing skills as well. Um, you know, he's went, he's won in every category so far in his career. I think he's going to do great. Um, you know, one of the big announcements along with his unveiling is that he'll be taking over the reins of the FS1 Cletus from Frank Kreml. Uh, he'll be piloting that truck on the 2017 Monster Jam FS1 Championship Series West Tour, which is looking to be pretty stacked. There's a lot of talent over there that's going to be running on the West Series. That'll be fun to watch throughout first quarter. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing some more of that. You know, I, I think that I'm going to be honest, uh, as we always are here. Uh, I can't stand the concept of Doomsday. I think it's disturbing to 
the younger fans. I think it's unnerving and ruins the flow of a show. But the silver lining in this whole thing is that when you get behind the wheel of a doomsday, because, spoilers, multiple people have over the course of uh, many years of this truck being a thing, uh, you have the free reign, it seems, to do whatever you please behind that wheel without regards to damage. That is a weird and in unconventional way of learning to drive a monster truck. But without the chains on the truck, without the chains on your on your sort of brain and your abilities, uh, you know, Scott's son here, Colt, has flourished. So it's nice to see him really uh, kind of get that recognition. Definitely did a lot more of the, uh, of the Doomsday thing towards the end of that. And I'm going to be honest, though, I hope that Doomsday truck never sees the light of day again. He can move on to Cletus and we can just kind of bury that thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I again, I, I agree that I wasn't really a big fan of Doomsday at first. I happened to be in Houston the first weekend that it was kind of unveiled and had all the secrecy around it and everything like that. And I didn't really care for the way that it was presented. I didn't mind it as much when it became more of a regular competition truck, if you will, and not just an encore piece. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, you know, I think it's great that Colt was really able to hone his abilities and get free reign to kind of go buck wild and crazy with it. I think that has really bred to him being a fantastic driver. You know, he's been around the sport for a long time and grew up as a part of it and has been immersed in it for so long. Uh, I think it was only, you know, fitting that he was going to do well. And, you know, I guess having a little bit of that free reign, you know, you get to maybe stretch your legs out a little bit more and try some things that maybe are not quite as, or try some things that are a little more risky than others uh, would do first time out in a truck. But, um, you know, Colt's got a bright future ahead of him. He's kind of a, a bit of a quiet guy at first when you first meet him, but he opens up pretty well. Um, looking forward to seeing what he's got to bring to us uh, driving the FS1 Cletus this year. Definitely. I liked his run. I liked what I saw of his freestyle run. Definitely has that uh, that nice ability because of the track, as you said, to have a nice slap wheelie that was ridden the length of the floor. Very well done there, Colt. Really liked seeing that. And uh, you mentioned that open track. Hey, I am open to more open tracks. The guys had room to operate and the girls as well. I, I really think that that's something that we need to see more of. We need to see a little bit more room for people to get in trouble and get out of it, people to you know, get the truck up on two wheels. Heck, we saw, as we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, Adam Anderson riding a, riding a two-wheel save half the length of the floor, and he had room to do that, and he wasn't nervous. I almost feel like people are nervous behind the wheel of the truck now that as soon as they make one jump, they're driving defensively, and I would love to see some more aggressive, high-paced, length-of-the-floor type of things be available to people if we just took an obstacle or two out of some of these courses man i i think i like what i saw of the st louis track with a, you know a few exceptions yeah i wasn't I, I wasn't too wild about seeing chicago style in st louis um just because it is such a wide floor that it makes that turn just really funky you almost have to break it up in like two or three different parts mm -hmm. and for a racing aspect, you know, it kind of adds a funky flow to things, especially with the turns being as wide as they were and pushed out towards the sidelines. It made that final, I guess, third of the turn really, really tight. Uh, we saw a number of different drivers, you know, clipping the turning cars and almost missing the jump or swinging wide and just barely getting the jump, but then being out of shape as they landed and just really struggling to get recorrected and everything like that. Um, 
And also, I'm, you know, maybe a bit of an old school guy, and I'm sure if Ryan Lacoste ends up listening to this, he'll probably want to smack me in the head because I've beat it to death in his head. I like side-by-side finishes. Um, You know, he and I have had a number of debates just chit-chatting back and forth with one another. I prefer a side-by-side finish over, you know, Chicago style. I feel like it's easier for the fans to follow. They've got a name for that. And and I feel like, like... There's a name for these side-by-side finishes where you go on separate ovals. What was that? What was that name? I believe it was called St. Louis style. Huh. St. Louis style in St. Louis. <laughs> that would be a great idea. I I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've had the modified, you know, I guess you could say St. Louis style and Jersey style as it's been called uh, in recent years with the uh the starting lane on the inside of a very St. Louis style course, if you will. Um and I enjoy it. I, you know, I know some guys maybe weren't as big of a fan as myself, but I felt like the quality of racing had really improved over the last couple of years. Um, you saw, I guess, the cream of the crop start to rise to the top. In you know, the top talent racing drivers were really starting to execute their skills and really showcase their talent. Um, maybe Chicago style kind of keeps the field clumped together as it's not as challenging of a course, but. I really like that it worked a lot of different aspects to the truck. It You had a little bit of a start-stop to it and that you had a tight turn. You had to really use the brakes, really master some turning points. I don't feel like you get that quite as much with Chicago style. And I feel like Chicago style isn't as easy to follow for fans, not only in the audience, but also on television. It doesn't really translate as well. Wait, which, you can turn, see whatever... which turn were they on? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, after about the second or third time they're over the jump, you're like, wait, is that the finish or not? Um, it can be a little bit difficult to follow, and if you're not familiar with the type of racing when you first show up as a casual fan, you're kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, at least with a side-by-side finish, you kind of have a better idea or better gauge of what the finish is. Um, maybe I'm overthinking that, maybe I'm not, but I, I just I, always prefer a side-by-side finish. I mean, it's just what I've been used to, I guess, growing up. And, you know, I, I always thought of Chicago style as being the small arena alternative to just a one-jump straight-line drag. Yeah. If you had the room, you could make it a better show by giving the fans an aspect of racing where the trucks are doing more than just one single jump. You got them throwing in some turns and jumping a few different times. And at least in a hockey arena, when you're running Chicago style, it's a lot easier to follow because, you know, everything's kind of in your face. Yeah. This this is this is. I'll give you my quick thoughts, and maybe you can riff off of this. I, I tend to agree with with the majority of what you said there. I don't think that it's necessarily because I grew up watching it, though, because I can see the arguments that some people would make. Oh, well, you get more speed, more action, maybe in these in these races. But I think the more turns that you make a truck go through and the driver go through the more that you're going to see blowout races the more that the more chance that somebody gets up and gets up on two wheels and has to save it well then that's that's pretty much that for that race and that's boring i want to see fast close racing i would rather see a j hook course i would rather see st louis i would rather see yes finishing side by side but i don't think that that the logic that some people subscribe to where you know Chicago style is faster and more exciting. I don't agree with that at all. I've got to say, I think that you can do this a majority and a variety of different ways. And 
you just you don't need Chicago style on a course that big. There are a majillion other things that you can do, and it'll still be exciting. If you want close races, exciting races, then cut out some of those turns. Make it a little more simple for everybody to follow, and it, it can even go quicker that way too. I mean, are you going to run a 15-second race, or do you really have to make it a 25-second ordeal? I don't know, man. I think that you know the fast people on Chicago-style courses now are getting into the 19s and 20 seconds. Hey, if we cut that in half, are we really killing the, sh- the flow of the show here, or are we making more quick-paced, exciting races? I think it's interesting to think about. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think that's an interesting point to make as well because, you know, show flow is kind of a big thing that's pushed whether you're at Monster Jam or another promoter. Um, you know, you want to keep the action going. You want to keep the fans engaged. You want to keep everybody's attention. And I think, you know, trying out some different racing courses here and there is one way to see what will get, you know, a fan reaction. You know, we've seen the Jersey style racing, you know, kind of be the the prevalent, most prevalent form of racing on the Monster Jam circuit the past couple of years. I enjoyed it. I don't know if the casual fan enjoyed it as much. Um, And I think, you know, again, you have to kind of deal with the aspect that I think most casual fans are there to see freestyle. And I think that's something that Monster Jam is having to kind of deal with right now in that. A little bit of the sacrifice to the Jersey style course is, is that it took up more floor space and didn't cater as much to freestyle. And I think maybe the way that the floors have been the last couple of years, it hasn't made for quite as consistent freestyles from top to bottom. And whether you attribute that to the track style and the amount of space taken up for the, the large dirt pads that were used in the Jersey style shows... Or, you know, more the ramp angles and the ramp construction that we've seen over the past couple of years that has kind of been more of a factor. Um, You know, I think looking back, you know, just a few years and seeing, you know, the difference in, I guess, consistent freestyles from top to bottom is a bit different. I feel like, you know, the guys that are at the very top of their game when it comes to freestyle right now, you know, they are head and shoulders, it seems to be, above the rest of the field. And there's not quite as much consistency throughout freestyle of, you know, great runs, if you will. They're good runs, if you will. It seems like there are definitely lulls when you get to watching a show. You don't see too many of them that are top to bottom with solid freestyle runs. Eventually, you know, with your your heavy hitters, if you will, going towards the end. I got to agree. I mean, I I mentioned this in our first podcast. There there seems to be this ability of the the officials or whoever's in charge to kind of make this track that will produce one or two good freestyles and a lot of early rolls and i think that it's makes sense to build a track obviously you have to build around the racing course as you mentioned but i think that you need to consider the not only the venue the racing course but also the drivers involved they know these schedules in advance and they know the tracks in advance these are all you know written up before the year it's not like they can just open the doors and say, hey, what are we going to do this week? These are planned out, right? So why don't we plan for, okay, hey, Mintz is going to be at this track with Anderson and all these other people, and but we've also got Bailey Shea. We've got some of the people that are a little less experienced. How do we how do we make a fair course for everybody that's going to have some good, good solid ability of the newer drivers, the less experienced, to have a good solid run while also giving some spectacular moments? Is it easy? No. 
Is it doable? I think yes, and it's not being done. Yeah, you know, like you would mention that you know, save for Bailey Shea, who's you know now I guess a second or third year driver. You know, she spent most of her time in arenas. She doesn't have a ton of stadium experience aside from some stuff that she did in uh, Europe last summer and Glendale and St. Louis most recently. Um, you know, at least I guess for her, you know, on this com- on this weekend, the f- you know the freestyle pods, I guess you could. Call- we're more or less, you know, the hybrid floor that we've seen on arenas that she's competed on for the past two years with the arena tours. And so she worked some of that into her run. You know, she tried to do, you know, some of the hits that were more arena specific, like hitting the log obstacles and the tire obstacles. Yeah. How and about, she also, you know, the, the beautiful pogo that she did, she didn't save it, but the beautiful pogo that she did at the end of a run, of course, that comes from what you're talking about, the more Monster Jam stuff. A lot of people try that, you know. <laughs> Colton Eichelberger darn near did a backflip a while ago doing that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I struggle with that, man. i got to be honest with you. I struggle with seeing that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing, I guess, to try and find some balance here because there's obviously, you know, an idea of pushing forth, you know, a kind of a, a homogenized track, if you will, and sharing a lot of the same jumps and same faces that you see from week to week, show to show, whether it be in arenas or in stadiums. Um, Maybe in time it will lead to a more consistent show and we'll see more, you know, uh, more consistent freestyles, more quality freestyles in less, you know, one or two dominant performances, if you will. Um, I think St. Louis was kind of an interesting weekend in that you really didn't see one or two standout freestyles from the pack. I felt like there were a lot of drivers that were kind of fighting it, if you will. They were trying to find where the sweet spot was with their trucks and with that track and trying to figure out how they were going to attack it because it was a little bit different than what they've been running. Some of the guys that have been guys and gals that have been doing international shows have seen, you know, similar layouts and have been able to make it work, but on this particular weekend, it just seems like a lot of people just didn't quite have it together or whether it was truck or whether it was driver or what, but you know, there were some good runs, but I didn't feel like we really hit that great run spot. And that caters towards the guy that won. Gotta be again, all the way honest here. Uh, what did you think of Scott Buto's run? And what did you think of Ryan Anderson's run? What did you think of even, uh, you know, Leo Donald's run. I, I felt like those were three that kind of stuck out to me. Uh, you know, Bari had a couple good hits in there, too, before he rolled over. Yeah, I think there were some highlights, you know, like uh, opening with Bari. Bari came out with a pretty solid run. You know, I think from, you know, looking at it as, I guess, a production standpoint, you know, if you're the one that's putting on the show, you want the first truck out in freestyle to set the bar well. And, uh, Barry did just that. I mean, that was a good run. He got some good momentum in there. He got some good hits, you know, some good jumps, worked in a couple of really nice slap wheelies, got the crowd into it. And that's really what you need out of your first truck out. And then the next couple of trucks, you know, kind of had some stumbles here and there. We already talked about Colt Stevens. I felt like he did a really good job of finding a nice balance between momentum and big air and working in wheelies maybe not quite what you would consider a traditional winning stadium freestyle run he was pretty close to kind of getting to that spot but um you know coming up short on the backflip definitely will hamper your efforts that if, truck he, if he sticks that hit. thing he's got to be in the conversation yeah absolutely i think if if that jump goes better and he lands back on all fours is able to keep going and finish out the clock and everything like that i think he's a serious contender to win um 
Leo Donald in the VP Racing Fuels Mad Scientist had a pretty good run of himself going. Uh, you know, again, kind of on a similar spot where he was finding some nice momentum, some good jumps here and there. With Lee, you know, and a lot of the other drivers, they were kind of casing that jump whenever they were coming over and getting to the second half of that freestyle pod. And anytime you're hitting the backs of those things, they throw the trucks in some goofy angles. Lee found that, had to make a great save. Um, you know, it was not an easy one for him to make. Um, you know, put together a pretty good run, not necessarily a winning run, but certainly respectable. And then we get to Scott Budo. And, you know, Scott Budo definitely has a format to his runs, if you will. You know, you can kind of know what to expect when Budo hits the floor. He's going to get some big air. He's going to try the backflip. If he can make it go from there, then it's all out the window. Budo is going to try and hit stuff big and just see how long it'll last. Um, and he did just that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think Budo has definitely found something that works for him. The fans enjoy it, obviously, um, especially with the number of wins that he's picked up in the last year or so. Um, I forget what the win counter is up to at this point, but I think he is now the winningest freestyle driver on the year when it comes to stadium events. And, you know, I don't necessarily feel like that would have been a winning run on most nights, but again, it was a night where, you know, a lot of people seem to be having just a little bit of trouble getting to that sweet spot and keeping things going for them. Um, you've got to and- give him credit, as you said, for being smart about his runs. He's he's doing what is required, and he's he's going out there and setting the bar at a certain level that he knows he can get to, pretty much every time. So there is a there's a science to that, and and I understand that and I respect that. At the same time, I think that that bar is is very beatable, and I think that if you didn't include a backflip as a requirement to win an event, if we didn't hype this up quite so much. If, if we didn't have fan judges uh, that maybe have never seen a Monster Jam before, uh, you know, throwing out nines on the first run, maybe we would see some different results there. But, you know, again, all respect to him for, for working within the system that is provided to have a really nice run. I just don't feel like most of his runs are, are what appeals to anything more than the casual fan or the first-time fan. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. You know, and I I don't want to dump on Scott. He's a nice guy. He's Absolutely, definitely yeah. Really... This is that is not meant to be a negative thing towards him uh, personally or even his driving. It's just he he's doing what he's doing within the system that he's provided. Yeah, and he's doing a great job of really doing full freestyle runs, which is something that you know a lot of people didn't quite get there with. We saw you know both Becky McDonough and Lindsey Wink find really tough luck first jump, and they're over. Um, you know, the track kind of bit a lot of people this weekend. Um, you know, he was able to put together a, a mostly complete run. He left 20 seconds on the clock, which is normally not something you would see for a winning freestyle run. Um, but, you know, he's done a good job. He's found his, his you know, role, if you will. He's been able to, you know, keep that going. He's got a consistent aspect to his freestyles. You can pretty much expect him to finish in like the top four or five on any given weekend. Um I think he's become a good freestyler. I think there needs to be some more balance in his runs and being able to carry momentum and really pick up the the pace and do some different aspects of, you know, some different moves, you know, working some slap wheelies or, you know, some combo moves. For the most part, though, you know, he's like I've said, he's got his runs kind of down to a formula. It works. I just would like to see maybe something branch out of that formula 
push it, the envelope a in a little bit of a different direction. A little methodical, like he is thinking through the run. Nothing wrong with that. But again, you want to kind of... To me, the best freestyles give the impression that they're out of control, but the driver's totally in control. An example, again, Ryan Anderson. You know he was walking that truck on two wheels across the floor. He turned into it at several points. Two-wheeling a monster truck on purpose. That is skill. That is absolute mastery of the truck that you have. And that deserves, uh, you know, that's as much as a backflip to me. But you know what? We're probably in the minority on that one. Well, you know, I, I think the fans that know what they're looking at kind of think, and the more seasoned fans um, will get more excited for something like that than a backflip. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, you know, both require some skill, both require some finesse. Um, you can easily just go out there and, you know, put your foot to the floor and hope it works when it comes to hitting a backflip. But there's a lot of different times now where, you know, you over-rotate it or you come up short, you hit, the, you hit it too fast, and you just pretty much just flop over on your back. Buto is pretty darn good at doing backflips. Uh, he seems to stick them more often than not. He's got a pretty good track record with him. He's probably got one of the best when it comes to sticking backflips. Hey, um, perfect so, on the rotation, not hurting parts. Okay, you know, to balance out the criticism, I'm absolutely giving him credit for that because you know what? There's not many people that are getting that right. Mintz messed one up this weekend, uh, and again, you mentioned Colt Stevens. Hey, Buto stuck it, so I, I'll give him credit for that. It's just. I think that's an interesting dynamic to discuss. What what takes a is Buto's style going to get him a championship one day? I think it could. You know, I, I think if he was able to pick up the pace a little bit and you know throw in a few more hits per run, I think he very well could. You know, put himself right in contention with some of the the top freestylers of the sport. I think what separates you know. Him from, say, a Todd LaDuke, a Demon Bradshaw, the Andersons, etc., is that those guys almost race the track. It's almost like watching, you know, when Travis Pastrana was at the top of his game in freestyle motocross, you would almost say like they were racing the track as well yeah. as freestyling. Yeah, yeah. You know, keeping up that. that keeping up that frenetic pace and really going from hit to hit to hit and really keeping action up. You know, with Buto, they're, they're, you know, and not to harp on him, there's a bit of downtime sometimes in his run. He doesn't get from hit to hit to hit like some of these other guys do. Some folks, maybe that doesn't seem to, you know, affect their judgment as far as scoring is concerned. They may not care as much. It's more about the individual wow factors, if you will. Um, I look at it a little bit differently, but, you know, that's why freestyle is subjective. And you look at the following run after Buto, Ryan Anderson's, we already talked about the the ridiculous Joey Chitwood two-wheeling that he did. <laughs> you know, he worked in some good hits. You know, he kept the pace up. Unfortunately, you know, broke a rear axle, and so that was a bit of a challenge for him. You know, he fought through with a broken truck and still was able to do some cool stuff. I think even Ryan would admit that it was probably not what he would consider his normal great freestyle runs. I think, you know, he was battling it a little bit, just didn't quite find that sweet spot either. And, you know, while it was a good run, you know, it wasn't a clear-cut winner kind of thing. And I think that's where, you know, you see some subjectivity come into play with freestyle judges. Um, they were both scored pretty closely in that Buda was a 36, Ryan Anderson a 34. Um, I think you can make an argument for either of them being winners. Um, I would have probably leaned towards Brian myself just because that's more the style of freestyle that I like and that he kept up, you know, high speed, high momentum was kind of on the ragged edge a little bit. Um, but that being said, you know, there was no clear cut winner. I think even when you look at what was put forth by 
Tom Mance. You know, I, he was working in a decent run of his, his own. Just um, not quite the norm from Tom Mance. You usually expect, you know, just pretty much bonsai from start to finish. Um, there were definitely a few moments where I think he was feeling out the truck a little bit and trying to get an idea of what to expect out of the newest Max D here. Um, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to stop you for a minute as as. We also mentioned, yes, Colt Stevens, third place, well done, uh, and, and Tom getting there in uh, fourth. I, I had to ask you, while we're on that topic of Tom, uh, did you get a chance to take a look at the new truck? Was there anything that you kind of noticed about it that was different from the other ones radically? Did he talk about any of that stuff? Uh, what is Max D8 compared to the other ones? I think from a distance, it doesn't really look all that much different. Um, I didn't get a really chance to talk to Tom about it. Uh, we more or less just you know, chit chatted back and forth about, you know, various things about our worlds, if you will. But um, from what I understand, you know, the four link layout is a little bit different under the truck this go around, uh, hoping to add a little bit extra stability. Um, I may be wrong on this, but it does seem like the cradle comes down a little bit lower, or maybe it's just an optical illusion from the sponsor panels. But um, it still looks pretty close to the same. I haven't gone, you know, to take a look at all of the ins and outs of the trucks and i'm certainly not one of the most uh, uh experts when it comes to taking a look at the different things that are on chassis and everything like that but you know it still looks like a max d that's for sure operates operates pretty well too you mentioned him trying to feel the truck out i was actually there for his last new truck debut in detroit uh, a few years ago now and he ended up winning. Uh, to be honest, it was a, he, he had a couple of nice bounces there that won his way. But at the same time, uh, Tom having a new piece of equipment to play with all year may give him an advantage. We don't see as many new pieces being debuted. Nothing wrong with having a lot of uh, fresh iron going into a new season of Monster Jam. And he kind of gets a little chance to to test out a new piece right before first quarter. I think the timing of that is pretty nice. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, you could tell the last truck was pretty beat up. And, you know, it was a common occurrence throughout first quarter. They had a lot of front drive shaft problems. It seemed to catch up with them. If it wasn't every week, it was every other week. Um, you know, and after a while, it's just hard to get old iron to stay straight, if you will. Um, and despite the fact of all the efforts put in by Josh Dyke and all the guys that work out of the shop in Paxton. It just seems like there were a lot of little gremlins with that truck in its old age. Um, from what I understand, the chassis is still around and may possibly see some use in international events. But um, I think getting a brand new piece under Tom is probably a good call. I think this is the first truck he, new truck he's had in quite a while. Yes. Um, the last, like so I said, the last time I was there, see quite, quite a long time ago, a few few years ago for that. <laughs> You know, and, you know, it'll be good to see, you know, him going head-to-head with Morgan Kane in the upcoming season for the Monster Jam FS1 East Championship. Morgan Kane's coming in with a brand-new gravedigger of his own. Um, you know, so that'll be an interesting thing to see. Um, but getting back to St. Louis, you know, Tom had a good run going. Not quite what you would expect to be a winning freestyle run from Tom Mintz either. Um, you know, he was definitely battling, you know, had a little bit of rear steer issues that he was battling halfway through his freestyle run. The backflip attempt... As wild and ridiculous as it was, obviously not the way that Tom really wanted it to go. He wanted it to, you know, he wanted to stick it and be able to keep going and, you know, that see what else he had to offer. the first backflip attempt that I've seen where the truck actually clipped the backflip ramp again. Usually you see them, them, you know, kind of kick backwards or even sideways. But that's the first one where it went up 
and actually came back down on the ramp. That was really weird to me. Yeah, it was definitely a funny one to watch. I'd have to go back and look at some other ones and see, you know, if any others have ever rotated quite that similarly. None of them kind of really come to mind thinking that or thinking back like that. Um, it definitely threw the truck funny, and Tom, you know, in his typical Tom Mintz fashion, tried to, you know, save the truck, spinning around sidewalls, almost got it back on all fours, and then it kind of flopped back over again. And at that point, you know, between the torture that he's put on the drive line and all the other parts in the truck, it was probably the best call to go ahead and shut it down. Um, I know Tom probably wasn't too thrilled about that, but I think he would totally understand, you know, going back and looking at it. Um, Another good run, but not quite great run, if you will. And then Adam Anderson, you know, kind of a similar situation, you know, coming out as the final freestyle. Tried to put on a good run, just didn't quite get that flow going right where he needed it to be. And, uh, you know, and then a bad bounce puts him over on his lid, tries to save it. Similar situation to Tom, just didn't quite have the right bounce, the right luck to get it back on all fours. Um, I you there. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to just quickly throw in here, because... It seems like I always forget about him, and I, and I don't mean to. Uh, hey, props to Damon Bradshaw once again. You want to talk about consistency. There he was right again in the finals, fast qualifier as well in racing. He was a little early in freestyle, but always, always, always in the hunt. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at stats or maybe whatever, but I don't think Damon has missed the racing bracket in the last two years of doing events, whether it be on the championship series or, you know, the summer events. I don't quite know the stats on, you know, the Australia shows, but more often than not, Damon is a threat to win racing. You know, he's always quick. Um, you know, he was a little bit off of his game when it came to practice on Friday afternoon. I think he turned like a 21, 22 second pass where the rest where Tom Mentz was in the, in the high twenties and everybody else was in the low 21s as far as the top competitors. Um, you know, they adjusted the way that they were going to be coming at the turns. You know, I talked to TJ Tripp a little bit on Friday night, and he said, you know, they've got a better idea as to how to attack that wide turn, and, you know, they felt pretty good about about racing coming into the show, and they did just that. I mean, they came in, set fast qualifier, one of the fastest times of the weekend in qualifying, put together, you know, good racing passes. Just Ryan Anderson kind of found an extra couple of tenths there when it came to the final round, and pulled off a fantastic racing win. It ended up being a pretty decently close race. Just Ryan had found a way to have that much more and pulled it out. Two of the most consistent racing drivers and crews in the business. We spent a lot of time talking about freestyle, but I just had to throw that in there. Racing is still exciting. You've still got, at least at any given event, several guys that could pull off the win, but it is something that is incredible. Thinking about two years worth of always making races, no matter what, that is a that is a testament to the crew. That is a testament to the driver, and that's amazing. Uh, you know, congratulations, of course, to Ryan for the victory. But I, I always see Monster Energy in the hunt. Absolutely, you know, I think that's part of what made Damon, you know, such a threat to win the championship series the last two years. It'll be another reason why he'll be a threat and a favorite coming into, you know, the West series championship this year. And he's going to be going head to head with some tough competition. I mean, you know, Adam Anderson and Neil, Lally, the two defending champs of the FS1 championship series, you know, those guys aren't going to be, you know, laying down easy to hand over their title just because Damon's finished twice, two times in a row. Those guys want to keep it. You got some other up and coming talent on that tour. That's going to be, you know, vying for it. You know, we mentioned Colt Stevens before multiple times, um, you know, it's going to be a tough series over there. 
I think Jimmy Creighton and that camp is involved over there. And you can always count on Creighton to kind of mix things up, whether it's in racing or freestyle. You know, he's one of those guys that's really consistent in both competitions. He's a well-rounded driver and could really, you know, be a big threat to win and really upset that balance in the series. Because I think a lot of people will think that, you know, between Neil, Damon, and Adam, you know, that would be your three favorites to win. But, you know, old Creighton can definitely mess things up for him over there. <laughs> definitely going to be an interesting year coming up. We got a little taste of it for the St. Louis show. Uh, anything else that you want to you want to kind of add, throw in there, final thoughts from St. Louis? Uh, as far as St. Louis goes, you know, I I think, you know, it was on the verge of being one of those great shows. It's just one of those nights where, you know, maybe some balance bounces didn't go quite the way that you know they you would hope they would go. Um, really looking forward to heading up to Minneapolis this coming week, uh, breaking in the all-new U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, first time being back to Minneapolis, obviously, since the final show. Um, and really looking forward to checking out the new state-of-the-art building, getting a chance to see two you know huge stadium shows happen. Um, I think it would be awesome for a lot of guys to really – get a bounce back from this past weekend. You know, I think a lot of drivers really would like some redemption. They didn't quite get what they'd hoped for out of St. Louis. Um, you know, it'd be a lot of fun to go up there, you know, see some good friends and uh, hang out, watch the monster truck in action. And uh, hopefully looking forward to two awesome shows this coming weekend. Yeah. Interesting to note that Adam Anderson, Tom Mintz, Ryan Anderson, got some cream of the crop guys there. Buto's ready to prove that, I'm an idiot for talking about his St. Louis freestyle. Zombies in there again. You're going to see a lot of guys that you saw make the trip and have back-to-back shows. I think they may have a little extra advantage from the guys that maybe have been sitting there for a little while. It's going to be interesting, and I'm highly interested. This is one of the first times that, like you mentioned, we're going to see back-to-back shows here. So I'm interested to see what that that 5 p.m. December 10th show looks like. You know, gates are open at 5, show starts at 7. And then you've got a quick turnaround. So are guys, are people going to take it easy that first show and then go hard the second show? You would see that in an arena deal, but in a big stadium, can you really can you really handle that? That's going to be a very interesting show. If you're a crew guy, if you're a driver, uh, these couple shows are really going to set an interesting precedent for stateside shows moving forward because we've seen this in, in the international stuff. I'm very interested to see what that December 10th show looks like and then what the 11th one happens. Are we going to have to have some drivers come down, some some trucks come down for the second show if everything breaks on the first one? Well, you know, I think, you know, you've got a lot of top-level crew guys in the mix there. They're going to do their absolute best to keep those trucks up and running. Most of these guys and gals are used to it at this point. If they got to stay up through the night and, you know, thrash away to, you know, get those their individual trucks going, they're going to do it. I don't expect to see any truck having to come in from out of town or anything like that. I doubt there will be any replacements in play. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing the action this weekend. One guy I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how they're going to do in one of their first stadium events is uh, Brace Kenny's going to be piloting the newly sponsored Great Clips Mohawk Warrior. Looking forward to seeing Kenny uh, first time on a big floor uh he's been doing mostly arena stuff this past year i think he's done a couple of speedway shows off and on here as well but um he's got a lot of talent when it comes to working on the small floors he's really done an awesome job of you know finding a niche in in that arena role and working in some good momentum and some sweet wheelies here and there and stuff like that i'd be curious to see how it carries over i would imagine he probably get a chance to uh test out a little bit in paxton over the summer both on the arena floors and maybe on the stadium floor as well um 
curious to see how Bryce does on the stadium floor. I got a good, a good impression of watching him run in Raleigh earlier this year. I felt like he did a great job. He's really good on the microphone, good with the fans, everything like that. Um, and then, you know, looking forward to seeing, you know, some drivers cut loose a little bit this weekend, um, you know, maybe get their momentum back going for them. Um, excited to see Jim Benzik, Thunder 4x4 again. Uh, felt like he was kind of an underrated, underhyped talent on the uh, 2015 FS1 series. You know, Benzik maybe didn't put together those thrilling, wild, you know, insane freestyle runs that you know, you would expect from, you know, your top tier drivers and trucks, but Benzik's got a good piece underneath of him. He does some unique things. You know, he works in wheelies. You can always count on Benzik to do a completely ridiculous cyclone. Um, <laughs> I always like watching that truck. I've always had a soft spot for that truck. So uh, always like seeing Benzik Thunder 4x4. You know, those guys are a bit of a throwback. You know, they, they've towed that truck around on a flatbed before, you know, they, uh, they're a small budget team, but they, you know, they aren't afraid to run hard. And especially with them being in their home state, um, you know, they're going to go hard. Becky McDonough is going to be in her home state. So, you know, she's going to be pushing hard to try and make that El Toro Loco truck fly and, you know, possibly put herself in contention to win any competition looking, out there. Looking for a little redemption, too, after the uh, the turn gone wrong there in freestyle early on. Definitely going to be motivated. I see a lot of opportunity for these shows and of course yes uh, you're right on with the crew guys and gals uh, getting the job done over the weekend it's going to be a long weekend but they're going to make that work and I, I see a lot of potential to make a statement heading into 2017 definitely you know i think you know it's it's cool to kind of get back to having some december shows if you will to kind of be the lead in for first quarter you know kind of that last chance to get all your nuts and bolts tight uh, heading into the new year, see what you got and then kind of rebuild and go from there. Um, you know, Tom Mentz is getting another shot at piloting Max D number eight and really get to fill that truck out. You know, I can imagine the crews have gone in, tried to get an idea from Tom, what he liked, what he disliked and, you know, kind of go from there. Same for Adam Anderson. Um, you know, he had been out of his truck for a little while driving number 23 down in Australia Back in 32, getting to feel it back out, get used to it again. Um, he seemed pretty happy with how the truck ran. It just, you know, unfortunate bounces here and there that kind of took him out of contention for freestyle. And a bad, you know, slip up in racing took him out. You know, he was in contention to be in the finals there, racing up against his brother Ryan. Um, you know, it's a good run in peace. He really likes it. So I would imagine, you know, you'd have to expect Adam to be in contention to win up there in Minneapolis. Um Ryan Anderson, you know, he was the, I believe he was the last racing winner in the Metrodome, if I remember correctly, uh, you know, so he'd be coming in, you know, chance to, you know, he closed out the last building with a winning racing run. Unfortunately, I think he blew the motor in the process, so he didn't get to freestyle. You know, there's a little bit of that aspect that, you know, he wants to come in there, you know, you know, exert his dominance, if you will, and, uh, you know possibly collect a racing win, maybe throw in a double down here or there, you know, with two shows, there's a lot of different things you can expect, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the difference between the two shows, see who has made corrections and improvements between shows, taking what they've learned from last week and the night before and apply to that final show. Yeah. Unique opportunity. That was more what I was trying to say earlier was, you know, maybe, maybe the first night somebody has a, has a bad run or, or things aren't working the way they're supposed to. What an interesting chance to actually go back out onto a similar or the same track the very next night. How, how rare is that? I mean, I think that's a great, great thing for guys heading into first quarter. And I got to say, besides that, 
It's interesting to note that there is no Dennis Anderson around at any of these final arena shows before first quarter. Yeah, well, Big Daddy's uh, taking a little bit of time out of the seat, but uh, he's going to be having a pretty busy winter this year. He's going to be paired up with Ryan Anderson on that tour. Um, you know, I think how it would be cool. Guys, how many crew guys are they getting for that? Is that going to be like a seven crew guy operation? or? <laughs> I, I can imagine that, uh, you know, whoever ends up getting thrown with that bunch, uh, I know, I believe Brandon Vinson will actually be shifting over from being Ryan's crew chief to being Dennis's crew chief. Uh, there'd be a little bit of a crew chief shuffle this winter. Uh, I think that was the case of when I talked to Daniel Crawford last. Um, but regardless, yeah, I can imagine that trailer is going to stay very busy uh, <laughs> having Ryan and Dennis in the same trailer. I think it would be interesting, though, to see – Dennis kind of working with Ryan and getting to watch him every single week and maybe try and apply some of the things that have done have been done with Ryan struck to Dennis's truck. Yeah, imagine I think that, Dennis, you know? That's that's a that's a tremendous point. Sorry, go ahead, but imagine that you're you've been in this business for 30 something years. And then your son comes along and is and is a bat out of hell, is super super fired up has done all this stuff, and then you have an opportunity to go back and learn something from him. How many times is it just that the veteran teaches the, the youngster everything he knows and then rides off into the sunset? Now the veteran is going to have an opportunity to learn some things from the new, the newer, the younger. I think that's so interesting. Uh, sorry, you were, saying about, you were saying about Dennis. Yeah, well, you know, Dennis is kind of I, – I don't feel like he's been quite satisfied with where his truck's at in recent years. I think it's been – he was in number 20 for so long. It was old, reliable – you know, it was one of those things to where I think he kind of had his happy place with that truck. And, you know, when it came time to retire 20 and he had to move into number 30, you know, he wasn't maybe quite sold on the transition, if you will. You know, he's run well with this truck. He's put together wins, you know, and you look back in Vegas this year, arguably could have been the freestyle winner as well there. But I still feel like he's kind of not found his happy place with that truck. I think maybe running with Ryan every weekend, he can possibly, you know, bounce some ideas off of Ryan every show and maybe see where, you know, he can find his happy place with that truck. Um, from what I understand, he's been kind of all over the map when it comes to the shock setup on that truck and really still hasn't found his happy medium. And it's funny to hear how different he likes his shock setup versus Ryan or Adam. Yeah. You know, Adam's got his own preference, obviously, with the coilovers and how he likes his truck to ride. Ryan has his. Dennis has his. You know, and, I, I think that that's an interesting thing throughout uh, the Drop Monster Jam that maybe the casual fan or the person that may be listening to this for the first time, they, that they might, not, uh, they might not catch. You know, how those little things can make a huge, huge difference. And then feeling comfortable and confident in behind the wheel. So... Maybe Dennis is, is, for a guy that has so many accomplishments, if there's even a little bit of something missing, then maybe he doesn't do certain things on the track that you would see him do when driver and truck are in perfect sync. And we saw that, of course, with Vincent and Ryan. Uh, that is that is that they were always palling around, always happy. You just knew that Ryan didn't have to worry about anything on his truck because Brandon was there taking care of business. And you saw that even in past years with with uh, Cody Saussier before he be became a driver. He was that guy. He was that Brandon Vincent for John Seasock. And it let Seasock 
come through and get two racing world championships. I mean, how 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 much of a big deal that is cannot be understated. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, confidence and kind of that mental aspect of anything, you know, having the right confidence that in your truck and your setup and everything like that makes a world of difference. And if there's maybe any little doubt in your mind, you maybe don't push the truck in a certain direction or you're not 100% confident in something, so you're not sure you want to try it. Um, you know, and that's not knocking Daniel Crawford in any way. Crawford's one of the hardest working guys out there. Right. It's just, you know, number 20 was its own beast and Dennis loved it. And then number 30, he's kind of still, I guess, feeling like, you know, he's trying to find his happy place with it. Um, you know, but, you know, when you have that confidence in place, you know, hey, you're going to let it all hang out, let her eat and just go for it. Um, you know, when I was speaking with Morgan Kane recently after he had tested his brand new truck, you know, he's thrilled with it. He's totally confident with it. He is ready to get to Atlanta in January and just burn it down, you know. And having that confidence, you know, means the world. You know, uh, you know, when you feel like you can go in and win right out the box with your new truck, you know, that's awesome. Whereas if you feel like you've got some gremlins there that you're still trying to figure out, it can definitely mess with you, especially when it comes to something like shocks. You know, in, in racing, it may not be quite as big of a deal in that the trucks aren't taking the massive impacts that they would in freestyle. But when you're talking freestyle and you're talking somebody like Dennis Anderson who wants to go out there and bonsai everything and, you know, be this crazy wild man that he is, you got to have some confidence in your truck and you got to have some confidence that it's not going to hurt you. You know, um, we don't talk about injuries a whole lot in this sport because the trucks have improved safety wise massively. You know, you get your bumps and bruises here and there, but for the most part, you don't see too many actual, you know, serious injuries. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I think that that's a, a couple of important things to end off on. Uh, number one, they're going to have a chance to build some confidence heading into the first quarter of 2017. Number two, Dustin did get a chance to sit down with Morgan Kane, and we did mention that we had a couple of things recorded. The second version, the second thing, is my interview with Jim Burns. So you're going to see the Morgan Kane interview that Dustin had a chance to sit down with the current racing world champion. You're going to see that very soon here on the MTPC. Also, after we get back from Minneapolis, I'm going to be talking with Dustin about that show, and you will see the Jim Burns interview as well as plenty more. I encourage you guys to take a look at all of the MTPCs here on YouTube with the playlist. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and leave a comment in the comments section. Got to make sure that you do that. Any of your questions, uh, as we get this thing rolling, we may start answering here on the podcast, may even do some Q&A type of deals in the future. You never know what's happening, but for right now, I think it's a good time to end her off, man. You got anything else to say about St. Louis, Minneapolis, or Monster Trucks in general before we ride off into the sunset? Uh, not too much, man. Just looking forward to uh, getting back and watching some more insanity happen this weekend in Minneapolis. Looking forward to seeing some good friends. Uh, try and find some good places to eat up in Minneapolis. If you got any recommendations, you'll have to throw them to me off air here. Uh, <laughs> hey, for, I'll, put, for, I'll you... put them over on air. They're not even sponsoring us, man. There's a there's a few places that were on TV. You'll, you'll have to check them out. But uh, there's they are always known for those nice hot dogs. I love the concession stands at the old Metrodome. they got to bring some of that over to the new place, man. But uh, in all seriousness, guys, I hope you enjoy the episode. And last thing, do you have any predictions for who takes home the gold racing wheelies freestyle over the weekend in Minneapolis? 
Um, that's a tough one to call. I mean, there's obvious favorites. You know, I think Ryan Anderson being as strong as he's been in both competitions, I think you have to consider him a favorite. Um, Adam was pretty quick in St. Louis. I think if we come back with a similar racing floor um, in Minneapolis, I think he'll do well. I think he can probably find his groove. Um, Damon was really right on the cusp of winning racing this past weekend. Um, just didn't quite have it together to make that you know killer pass in the final round. I mean, he was still a twenty point eight to Ryan's twenty point four. You know, it was a close race, but you know, four tenths is uh, a lot to make up in one pass. I think Damon will probably want to come in and get a little bit of redemption, especially after having the sway bar break and freestyle. I know he was very upset about that. Um, you know, uh, Buto once again kind of has to be considered a freestyle favorite. I mean, you look at the winning record this year. Um, you know, you have to consider that he's been winning freestyles, been winning them consistently. Hey, uh, guys, guys like me can sit there and talk all they want, but you know, the the record speaks for itself. Congratulations to Scott Buto on his win, and uh, it, there's a lot of field of favorites, man. Uh, you got anybody else? Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, it's going to be an interesting weekend of shows. You got a few few different faces coming in that weren't in Minneapolis. Um, I I think it's going to be an interesting weekend of shows. I know a lot of people are really excited to go in and break in a new building, if you will. Um, should be a fun time. Really looking forward to it, though. Okay, you got a gun to your head, racing winner. Racing winner. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm gonna go Ryan. Okay. Freestyle winner. Freestyle winner? Uh, I really am tempted to say Ryan again. Um, <laughs> Calling a clean sweep, okay. I don't know if I would call a queen, clean sweep, but, you know, dude is tough to beat. You know, the I don't know what the statistics are. Uh, I'd have to probably talk to my boy Ryan Lacoste, who's probably been talking to his boy Larry Jewett. Um, <laughs> when it comes to the, the, the stats, those guys are pretty on it. Um I would think that, you know, Ryan has to be an obvious favorite for both. Um, you know, there he's you just go. that good of a driver. Um, when things go well, they seem to come in bunches for Ryan. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of tough challenges in that field. I think we could see some different folks, you know, definitely making me look like an idiot here and picking him twice. But, um, <laughs> you know, I it's so tough to pick. I think Ryan's just kind of an easy pick there. There you go. So... Last thing, Avenger won the wheelies. Congratulations, Jim, on a great wheelie in your wheelie contest. Uh, hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of the MCPC. Like I said before, make sure you drop a like on the video, share it around. If you guys have any differing opinions, if you think we're just being a bunch of idiots, hey, you know, you're, feel free to spat off in the comment section. Let us know what you think. And we will see you shortly after the Minneapolis show for a review there. And be on the lookout for the Morgan Kane interview in the MTPC. Thanks a lot for listening, guys.